Today's episode of the Shameless Picture Show is sponsored by Mill Creek Entertainment. Mill Creek is the industry leader when it comes to value price DVD and Blu-ray features and compilations. They have one of the largest catalogs out there, ranging from kids programming, classic films and television, independent cinema, documentary, and Latino cinema. Hell, they even produce their own content in-house. Mill Creek is a trusted partner with some of our favorite studios, including Sony Pictures, Walt Disney Entertainment, Warner Brothers, CBS Home Entertainment, and many more. And the best part about Mill Creek is how easy they are to find. Mill Creek has deals with thousands of big box stores, grocery stores, drug stores, and practically any other retailer you can imagine. Trust me when I say I've owned plenty throughout my time as a collector without even realizing it. They're a name I can trust. Some of my favorite releases include Can't Hardly Wait, Night of the Living Dead, House on Haunted Hill from their Vincent Price collection, the complete series of Quantum Leap, the complete series of The Secret World of Alex Mack, and of course, you're the hunter from the future. Head over to www.millcreekent.com. That's millcreekent.com and see what their collection has to offer. I guarantee you'll find something great. Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to The Shameless Picture Show. I am your host, Nick Richards. And not with me today is my co-host, Michael Byers. Today, I am doing a solo episode. It's been a while since I've done one of these. Michael tends to uh, uh, pick up the slack when when things get busy, because uh, I tend to just have a more <laughs> chaotic schedule with the kids and whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I've, I've done a few in the past, and and I've had something that I've kind of been uh, noshing on for a while that I thought would make a, a fun little solo episode. So, um, in the spirit of of high fidelity, which actually, now that I think about it, I have a tangent about that movie that I'll get into in a little bit. Um, as, as many of us do, I have had a long-standing top five movies list. You gotta kick it off with a killer to grab attention. Then you gotta take it up a notch. But you don't wanna blow your wad. So then you gotta cool it off a notch. There are a lot of rules. Anyway. As I've been doing the show, especially uh, over the course of the last year, I've realized that my top five list is sadly out of date. Um, that a lot has changed in... Um, both the amount of films that I've seen, what I think about movies, uh, what's important to me as an audience member, and uh, there's been some some large tectonic shifts. So uh, today I will be uh, going over my my former top five list, updating you on the new top five list, and uh, giving a little explanation as to uh, why the old ones are gone and why the new ones are on. Um, but first, our tangent. Um, I was talking with somebody the other day um, uh, about high fidelity. I, I, um, the 
The first time that I saw High Fidelity, I had a very visceral reaction to um, the the lead character, um, John Cusack's character, who's the the character name I I can't recall. Um, but I found myself very frustrated with him the whole time, um, wanting to to be like, hey, the, this. <laughs> That's not how you should think about that. That's not how you should be dealing with your your emotional issues. Um, and it took me through. I, I enjoyed the movie because the soundtrack is awesome and um, and the acting is amazing. Um, but but I had a real hard time kind of tracking down what what's the message of this. What am I supposed to get out of it, or what do I get out of it, whether I'm supposed to or not. And it wasn't until I had seen it three, four, or five times before I really came to terms with it. Um, because in terms of, you know, it, it's, it's a movie about relationships, mostly past relationships, but then also navigating this new relationship. Well, not even a new relationship, because it starts with a breakup, which sends him into his self-reflective spiral. Um and I didn't like him. I didn't like how he he dealt with any of these issues. I didn't like how he he treated these people, how he treated himself, for that matter. Um, and w- when I finally came to a place where I could enjoy that part of it was when I realized that the movie wasn't about him, fi- or at least for, for my money, what I'm getting out of it is that it's not about him coming to terms with his other relationships. It's, in in the end, with that final line of, I made a playlist of songs that she would like. And and it's the first time I've been able to do that, and I'm badly paraphrasing, but it's about him uh, growing up in terms of of being a partner um, and and being in a relationship. And... uh, so, so I was having this conversation uh, more broadly just about unlikable lead characters. And um, it, it's a fascinating question and one I haven't really put a lot of thought into as of yet. Um, but, you know, I'd be curious to hear from, from any of you or maybe uh, even bring this up with Michael next time we talk is when does having unlikable lead characters work and when does it not work because there's certainly this concept that you should empathize with the lead character in order to understand their journey and what they're going through so when they're so unlikable it it i imagine unless you really don't like yourself which is a possibility um how are you to empathize with them do you have to empathize with them? Can there be a really unlikable lead character and you still really enjoy the movie and the outcome of the film, the themes that are there? Um, I, I think that would make for a really interesting discussion and one that's that's hard to do one-sided. But uh, c'est la vie, uh, uh, another, that, that's a problem for future, Nick. Today we are discussing my top five list. So, uh, I'm going to start with the uh, count up uh, reveal of my former top five list. So, starting with number five. 
Uh, and this is, you know, it, it had minor shifts before this big major shift that I'm going to be talking about today. So um, if you've heard my top five list in the past and you're like, wait a minute, I remember this being on there. That's entirely possible. Uh, for the most part, four of these five were always on it. And the top three were always in the top three spots. Um, and then the four and five would kind of shift around a bit. Um, so, number five, a film that I saw when it came out in the theater, actually twice. Um, the second time I saw it in the theater was seven days to the hour uh, after I saw it the first time, which hopefully gives you a clue as to what it is. Um, the the uh, Gore Vabrinsky's remade, um, remake of a Japanese horror film, The Rain. Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? You start to play it, and it's like somebody's nightmare. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. Katie told you she was going to die. She told me. She said she didn't have enough time. Did you see that I'm gullible? No. Easily rattled? A little highly strung, maybe. I watched the tape. Seven days. I'm not going to get all worked up over some rumor. Yeah, show it to me. I'm bothered by these drawings. Why did you draw that house? She told me to. Who? Who told you to? She tells me things. Before you die, you see the ring. The images on the tape are leading us somewhere. She show you the horses. Don't you understand, Rachel? Tell me, Liz. What is it you think you know? Hello? Before you die, you see the ring. You see the ring. I was into the 80s, 90s horror films I was when I was growing up, so it was Freddy, it was Jason, it was Michael Myers. Um, uh, really enjoyed them, had them all on VHS, I even had a cardboard, one of those cardboard stand-ups of Freddy in my room in college. Um, spectacular, I was all of them. I think Jason is the only Halloween costume that I didn't do upright. I, I, one year I did a really great Michael Myers, uh, I even put the the theme on a little tape deck in my pocket so that would play as I was coming up behind people it was amazing. Then there was a, that weird period where, you know, some good horror films came out of in the late 90s, early 2000s, but uh, you could tell it was, they were, the, the industry, the genre was kind of done with that uh, 80s, 90s slasher, uh, creature feature if you will because of that iconic you know uh lead monster 
um, and it was trying to to refine itself. And when I really got back into horror, it was with movies like The Ring. Not necessarily all of the uh, Japanese horror imports, but The Ring I really connected with, and I think it was a lot. It, it had a lot to do with the direction of Gore Verbinski. Um, I also really enjoyed the first Saw film. That was another one that brought me back into the the horror genre because of how smart I felt that that script was. Now, all of the the following Saw films just... It, it took the wrong elements of it, in my opinion, and to run with. Um, but that's, that's another film. Uh, the Rain... Um, uh, it was so moody. It was the majority of it felt just moody, not not horror. And um, but then you had those. Uh, you had that that beginning bit, and then you'd have these these spooky pops. But it wasn't just running away from the villain. She was actually running to the problem, trying to find it in order to save her son. Um, and it was very, very visually appealing. Um, I, so, so that was my number five is the ring. Um, number four is oh, well, you know what? Bef- before I jump, I'll maybe um, only only one of my previous top five is still in my new top five. So the ring did not make the cut. Um, and, and while I still really enjoy the film, I'll still pull it out and watch it, which is not something I can say for many movies. There's so many new things to watch that in order to bring something previous back, it needs to really, like, I really need to be motivated to rewatch it. And The Ring is something that I still get something out of when I watch it. So, uh, but it not, not high enough up doesn't, it doesn't wow me in a way anymore on repeat viewings that my my newer top fives do. Um, I, I found that my previous top five were films that I felt were good. My new top five list are, are films that I feel for me are special. And so there needs to be something that I can point to that makes it special or, or that I feel is special and then I have to think about why do I feel that way about it in order for it to crack that top five. And the ring just, it, it's good. I really like it. I would even say for me it's great, but not special. That brings us to my former number four, The Phantom Tollbooth. And you've all heard, anybody who's heard a good amount of these episodes has heard The Phantom Tollbooth get brought up. Follow Butch Patrick on a fantastic trip through The Phantom Tollbooth where nothing is real but your imagination. To Dictionopolis, where words are weird. Words in a word are fantastic. You can hint them, you can say them, you can print them, you can pray them, emphasize them, and despise them. Digitopolis, where figures are freaky. Numbers can be added to, subtracted from, divided into, multiplied by, crossed out, and erased. Climb the mountains of ignorance, where dreams become nightmares. We have nothing to worry about. And the monsters are magnificent. It's the gelatinous giant. Pass through the phantom toll booth and into the magic world of your mind. Rated G.
I love the Phantom Tollbooth. Um, I love Chuck Jones that that did this film. Um, the story is so charming, and it has those Alice in Wonderland kind of off into this kooky other world for you to explore. Um, wordplay, puns, uh, it's it has everything that I <laughs> have a soft spot for. Uh, charming characters. Um, there's one one of his first uh, Milo. Also, if if you haven't heard Milo, uh, the main character in this story is what I named my son after. Um, one of his first um, uh, conflicts when he goes to the land beyond through the Phantom Tollbooth is to the doldrums. Uh, he gets stuck in this swamp, and um, it's full of the lethargies, which are these kind of like little snot creatures that uh, are trying to make you lazy. Um, and so he needs his friend, the watchdog, well, his new friend, to come scare the lethargies away in order for him to continue on with his journey. He kicks off lethargy in order to continue on. So it's like it's comically on the nose for me that in a, in a way that I dig. Another character that I really enjoy is one of the the demons towards the end, the demon of petty tasks. Um, the terrible trivium is his name. Uh, that's one that I've gotten that I have tattooed on my arm as a reminder. He, the the terrible trivium represents uh, the tasks that you do in order to avoid doing the important things. So when you have a big report due, so you decide to straighten your desk, like that's the terrible trivium. And I loved that idea, giving that form and, and having a demon there to represent that. It made it a little easier for me when I, when I would think about that to go, you know what, demon, <laughs> I'm not going to give into that and I'm actually gonna get my work done. Um, Again, uh, I, I still love this story, and I think the movie was well executed. I, it, it has, it, hearing the voices of, you know, the, the same Bugs Bunny cartoon voices in this film um, is still wonderfully nostalgic for me. However, what I love about it is the, the story on, on reconsideration, I don't think the film itself was special enough to hold a spot in the top five. I am sure Phantom Tollbooth is in the top ten. You know, maybe top fifteen, somewhere in there. But it wasn't quite enough to, to crack that. Number three on the former list, SLC Punk. Meet Steve-O and Bob. They were the only two punks living in Salt Lake City. Ooh, ooh, we come from the east. What the hell are you? We're, uh, we're from England. <laughs> England. That's probably why we seem so weird to you, man. Their only way to understand the world was to be totally misunderstood. Ooh, come on. And when you're living in the most conservative city in America, do you A, conform? This rebellion things you're going through, I, I, I understand it, not completely, but uh, I respect it. B, learn to cope. I am the future. I am the future of this great nation. Stephen, I didn't, I didn't sell out, son. I bought in. Or C, 
Is he gonna be okay? Oh, yeah, he'll be fine, I'm sure. Thank you, though. None of the above. I am Aladdin, and this is my lamp. I wished for you, and here you are. Bob was in love. You're like a poet, dude. I just started thinking, you know, Salt Lake ain't that bad. I know, no, no, I mean, I know it sucks and all, but, you know, this is like... This is like home, you know? Matthew Lillard, star of Scream and She's All That. <laughs> and Michael Gorgian in a film about living life. If I knew what was ahead of me, I may have stayed in bed. Life is like that. Never have so many of Satan's followers been amassed on the earth as there are now. What? And getting out alive. 666. Six, six. The mark will be on all of them. Oh, my God! With attitude. Go, go, go! I told you those boys were trouble. What's your major gonna be? I want to save the rainforest. Somebody's got to fight for them. Salt Lake City Punk. Um, a really great indie film starring Matthew Lillard. Um, it came out right when I was like, I, I think I was a junior in high school, so it hit me right at the right time. I was starting to get into the the uh, punk you know, world in a very minor way. But when you grow up in, you know, the rural Wisconsin, if you're into punk in a minor way, then you're into punk in a major way. And there were like, you know, there was one kid with dyed hair and a mohawk in my high school. I dyed my hair blue at one point and it's like, oh, now Nick's the other punk, you know, that kind of vibe. Um, and and I loved it. I I loved the attitude. I loved the editing, the storytelling, um, the the performances were so fun. The script was so fun, and it was uh, a message that it, it was a, a story that I really that really resonated with me when I was in high school and carried that on into college, um, and. And now, certainly, like, I resonate with the the final scene of that film, which is like, yeah, I'll always kind of have punk in my heart, but it's kind of time to grow up and be an adult. Um, and that I, like, I've kind of graduated beyond that film, I think. I, again, still love it. Still a great movie. Um, the sequel was fun. It didn't have quite the same, uh, I think it's called Punch's Dead, um, which I believe I... Kickstarter. I think that was an early Kickstarter Indiegogo style project that I backed. Um, I really enjoyed it, and and if you loved SLC Punk, I would recommend watching it. Just don't have the same expectations. For it. You know, it's it's a it's a love tribute film. Uh, it's not. It it doesn't carry this quite the same energy, and it's not supposed to. It doesn't have to. Um, but if you hold it to that standard, it will fall short. Uh, number two on my former list also did not make the cut, um, and it's a shame. Again, I still really love this film, Fight Club. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Wait, let me start earlier. Like many of you, I was stuck. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I prayed for a different life. Soap. I make and I sell soap. And this is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Okay. Ow! 
You hit me in the ear. It was on the tip of everyone's tongue. Can I be next? We just gave it a name. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. After Fight Club, we all started seeing things differently. You're gonna have to keep me up all night. And she ruined everything. You're not into her, are you? No, God, not at all. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. He had a plan. <laughs> to what purpose? In Tyler, we trusted. I gotta take Fight Club up a notch. Each one of you has a homework assignment. You're gonna start a fight with a total stranger. That's not necessary. You're gonna lose. <laughs> that hurt. We're looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I'm stopping this. It's already done, so shut up. What kind of sick game are you playing? Oh my god. Where is my mind? Where is my mind? This is too much. In the end, you will thank me. Whoa! Whoa! I love, and you'll have to forgive me if I pronounce his name right, wrong. I don't think anybody can pronounce this man's name right. Chuck Palahniuk. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. I stand by it. Um, it's, uh, again, this is one where I love the story. And I do, like, I, I love the, the, the editing and the effects and the acting. Like, Fight Club is a great movie. I liked that it has layers. I liked that there are people that like this movie and you get that like that that holier than thou like you hear why they like it and you're like oh you just don't get it man and that's super douchey of me and I acknowledge that but and I don't make it be, I don't like bring it up or anything but um, there there aren't many things out there that I maybe know enough about or care enough about or, or or see deep enough into where that's the moral position I can take but I get to on that movie um and I've read most of of Chuck Palahniuk's stuff um I to a lesser extent I did enjoy the Sam Rockwell led uh adaptation of Choke uh, it certainly doesn't have the magic of of Fight Club but it was still really enjoyable um but again, like I think I've just kind of moved past that film as as being top five material. So now number one. Um, this is the one that still retained its place in the top five, uh, my new top five, though it did shift position, so you'll, you'll see where it landed. But it was my number one for a very, very, very long time. Still in my top five. It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, it's wonderful news. For when all these wonderful people get into the swim, it's a wonderful life. For never before has any film contained such a full measure of the joy of living, the drama of living, and above all, the glorious romance that makes this such a wonderful life. Don't you ever get tired of just reading about things? Yeah. Hey, what are you doing tonight? And I don't want to get married to anybody, you understand? I want to do what I want to do. And, and you... Uh, again, to those who have 
religiously listen to the show. This is no surprise. Um, it's a Wonderful Life is something that I have seen dozens and dozens of times and still to this day has the same, if not a stronger, impact on me every time I watch it. And how many stories, how many things in life can we say that about? It is not a perfect film. The The acting is dated. Good, it's, it's great acting, but it's dated. Uh, the editing, there are some things that are just flat out wrong, uh, which is in part a product of its time and, and things. Um, from, from what I've read, the film was like a low-budget, kind of made-for-TV kind of thing. It wasn't ever intended, or maybe it, it failed to, despite its intentions, to be a big hit movie. Um, and it was, it, it's accidental falling out, falling into the public domain that made it so popular because TV stations were able to play it at Christmas without paying royalty fees. Uh, so then it became a part of everyone's Christmas experience and got this amazing story out there. Now, it's my responsibility to also say it is no longer in the public domain. There is actually a cut of the film that is in the public domain that no one can get a hold of. However, through copyright and other parts of it, I think soundtracks and and things, the the available the available versions of the film are all no longer in the public domain. So don't think you can you can use it. Um, you did not hear that from me. <laughs> but it was it was that that allowed it to come into everybody's homes, be a be a part of their lives, and to have this really special story seen in a more impactful way. Um, it's a film that has gotten me through many hard times in my life. Um, the the if if I'm actually watching it to any degree, even even halfway watching it, I will cry at that last scene, hands down. Um, it's a message that all of us need to hear, that no man is a failure that has friends. Uh, that, that those bad things in life are things that can be overcome. And... Uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's an incredible film. It showed me that how important story was. Like, I, I'm a filmmaker that really loves story. And that's, I'm not saying that's the right way. That's just my way. There are people that are all about uh, uh, vibe and tone, and that's amazing. And there are people that are all about camera and tech, and that's amazing. That's great. For me, the story is the heart of why we should be making films and, and what should be focused on throughout the process. And this is the movie that showed me that because the story is so powerful that I still, it doesn't even bother me that they're editing mistakes. It doesn't bother me that the acting is, is dated. Um, it's so good despite all of those issues. So that was the former top five. As a recap, we got The Ring, Phantom Tollbooth, SLC Punk, Fight Club, It's a Wonderful Life. Now we move into the new top five, so the newly established top five list for Nick Richards. Um, my number five is, again, a film that you've heard me talk about. It, 
it's not one that I really considered top five material most of my life, even though it's been a part of my life for so long. And upon this this reflection activity, it was like it just kind of popped. I was I was kind of scanning things, and I saw this film in the in the list, and I'm like, oh yeah, that one. You know what? How can I how can I not give this film more credit because it is special to me and I can't exactly pinpoint why why this film has hit my subconscious the way that it has the way that it sticks with me the way that I'm borderline obsessive with uh my my fandom I don't I don't fanboy out about a lot of things it's like D&D slash critical role and then this movie oh well this franchise which is Ghostbusters. Ghosts. Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do? You have? They're here. Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. They're armed. They're dangerous. Try to imagine all life as you know it, stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Okay, all right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. They're professionals. Oh, I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. You see it? They're all that stands between you and the end of the world. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. You want this body? Is this a trick question? Got your stick? Hold! Him up! Smoke it! Make him hard! Ready! Ghostbusters. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis. Coming to save the world. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters. We came, we saw, we kicked it. Now, it is more of a Ghostbusters franchise in brackets, but I'm, I, and I'm using the first film to kind of represent that, but I do, this is one of the the movies where like Ghostbusters 2 to me is just as good as the first one everything that was special about one is in 2 it doesn't like it doesn't become better than making one feel lesser than like they they're such companions to each other in such a beautiful way it brings a lot of new material while still holding the tone um, so when I say Ghostbusters I'm really talking about the franchise and I'm including answer the call on that and y'all can hate on me as much as you want I think that was a great film and uh and and when you take in Ghostbusters as a franchise beyond the 
the two movies when you take in the comic books and the two cartoon shows and the entire world that they've built i think then it's a little easier as long as you're not not liking it for sexist reasons uh but then it's easier to kind of fit that puzzle piece in when you're just looking at the two films and then this other one i i can see having a little bit more difficulty but the franchise as a whole uh, i for me it fits in beautifully um and i have no problem uh, considering that a, a big piece of the uh, of the world um i really love uh, i have two board games that were made by um i'm not going to remember the company uh, that I kick-started, spent way too much money on, that have these really cool miniatures, and the gameplay is not amazing. It's good. It's good enough. If you take the Ghostbusters skin off of it, I probably wouldn't play it a whole lot, more than a couple times. But the the Ghostbusters theme is so beautiful. Um, and, and, and the pieces are so cool, and it puts me right into that world in a way that the the uh, Ghostbusters video game, what was that, PS3 era did, um, which was really cool. Um, and I loved it. Uh, still have it, still play it. Um, so, Ghostbusters, number five. At number four, we have Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Hello, I'm Howard Mirziak, founder and president of Lacuna Incorporated. Why remember a destructive love affair? Here at Lacuna, we have perfected a safe, effective technique for the focused erasure of troubling memories. In a matter of hours, our patented non-surgical procedure will rid you of painful memories and allow you a new and lasting peace of mind you'd never imagined possible. This is a hoax, right? I assure you, no. Is there any risk of brain damage? It's on a par with a night of heavy drinking. Nothing you'll miss. There is so much good in this film. The, the acting is tender and thoughtful. I remember the, like, this was one of Jim Carrey's first real dramatic roles. Not, not the first, I think, uh, there was like Truman Show, which still had a little bit of quirky, you know, silliness to it, but not the same. And then the the Majestic was around the same era, so I don't know the exact order. Can you hear me? I don't want this anymore. I want to call it off. But really, show uh, uh, Eternal Sunshine really showed off Jim Carrey's uh, drama chops. The soundtrack is so crazy good. One of the, like, easily one of the best soundtracks, uh, in my opinion. Um, the Beck song, uh, ever, uh, everybody's gonna learn sometime, I think. It's a really, it's a really cool kind of, like, sci-fi love story that's not told sci-fi at all. Um, I really uh, enjoy the director's other works. The framework of it, being with the the uh, going in and deleting the memories, gave them a lot of play. It really allowed them to play with with how that narrative was delivered. Um, it's the it's the kind of thing that like the the story concept would have fit in very easily in Twilight Zone, um, but it wasn't told like a Twilight Zone episode. It was 
the way that it was told was beautiful. The visuals were beautiful. Um, I, I, I can't say enough about this film. And um, I'm sure it's one that popped into that number five spot on my top five list uh, former, formerly. Um, but wasn't one of the, the long-term ones. And that's one that has held up for me. That still to this day, it's, it's just as special as I felt it was back then. Number three, so I'm swapping one children's animated film with another children's animated film. And no, it isn't Terror Bears 2, even though that's a great movie. Again, it, don't complain to me unless you've seen it. And even if you have, then you're wrong. Actually, no, it's fine. that It's not a great film. Um, but uh, number three, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. From the director of Home Alone. Yeah. Comes a magical tale for the entire family. Welcome to Slumberland, my boy. When a little boy has big dreams, anything is possible. Your Majesty, may I present little Nemo? And every wish can come true. I hear my crown you, Prince Nemo. Let the celebration begin. Take off on a wondrous adventure with a young explorer. It will be Prince Nemo's solemn duty to protect Slumberland from the Nightmare King as I have done. Who must save the life of a noble king. Nemo, give me the royal scepter! He's been taken away to Nightmare Land. Outmatch the power of a mighty monster. Ooh, pajamas do scare me so. <laughs> and win the heart of a beautiful princess. No one has ever accepted a royal invitation in his underwear. <laughs> Share the excitement. The laughter. Oh, I haven't had this much fun in years. The music of Little Nemo. With songs by Melissa Manchester and Academy Award winners Richard and Robert Sherman. This is great! Featuring the voice of Mickey Rooney as Flip. Did anyone ever tell you you're kind of cute when you're right? Now, let the child in your heart fly. Quite the prince you've become, my little Nemo. Little Nemo, Adventures in Slumberland. Based on an old uh, comic strip, I think, from like the early 20th century. Uh, there was an NES video game out that I'd never played, but I always wanted it. Uh, my, my, when I was in like middle school, my mom uh, ran a daycare out of her home. And there was a, like a Walgreens-type uh, chain called Farmore that was shutting down and they had a little video rental place so we went there to get their like closeout deals she was looking for some uh movies that she could play for the kids and what she got i was able to i got a nes game called chrysalis which is an amazing game then she got two vhs cassettes no three which i love all three of these movies puff the magic dragon uh, the phantom toll booth which was my first introduction to that story and Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. Um, it's such a strange... This is, again, like a, the, the same kind of Alice in Wonderland, Phantom Tollbooth 
story concept where you're whisked away to this kind of magical world that you have to discover and everything's off kilter and kooky. Um, but because of its early 20th century roots, there's like the dirigibles and, and, and locomotives and things. It has this really cool, like, it, it could easily be reinterpreted with a, like a steampunk skin. Not that I'm saying it should be. I'm just saying, like, it has those seeds in it because of the era, era that it began in. Um, and because it's Slumberland, it is all themed around dreams right so um he's in his pajamas the whole time and there's uh the the main storyline revolves around letting the nightmares out um and needing to to overcome them i also really like about little nemo that um he's the one that lets the nightmares out he by being a kid and being curious and exploring and not really listening when he should so it kind of has that where the wild things are tone to it where like he makes a mistake and then he has to write it which i really enjoy versus just this generic villain that you have to take out um so that's little nemo adventures in slumberland number two is my former number one so i don't need to really go into it too much but number two on the new list is it's a wonderful life then number one it was really hard for me to shift It's a Wonderful Life out of place. But there is a film that I realized, had, first off, it's by my favorite director, and he wasn't represented on this list anywhere. Um, it is a film that I can watch anytime, over and over again. We'll always get something different out of it. I will always see something that I missed before. The themes are strong and compelling, and the acting is superb and the story is so cool uh, also another story that's told kind of uh, be because of the premise of it it's told out of order in a really cool way non-linearly that movie is the prestige shoot me come on no i can't do it <laughs> How'd you like that? <laughs> well, how'd you do it? Magic. I'll perform this feat in a manner never before seen by yourselves or any other audience anywhere in the world. The audience loved it. This trick is top-notch. You need to celebrate. <laughs> a real magician tries to invent something new. Go on. It's something that other magicians will scratch their heads over. I suppose you have such a trick. Yes, you I do. It's the one they're going to remember me for. What happened? It was the greatest magic trick I've ever seen. I need to know how he does it. He has no trick. It's real. Every great magic trick consists of three acts. The first act is called The Pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary, but of course, it probably isn't. The second act is called The Turn. He's obsessed with discovering your method. The magician makes this ordinary something do something extraordinary. Huh. Now you're looking for the secret. 
but you won't find it. That's why there's a third act called The Prestige. This is the part with the twists and turns, where lives hang in the balance. Julie, come on! And you see something shocking you've never seen before. This was built by a man who can actually do what magicians pretend to do. Real magic. I know what you really are. How does he do it? You want the truth. Nothing is impossible. Abracadabra. No more secrets. Secrets are my life. Also a, a great small role by David Bowie. Um, but the the story of this rivalry and these two uh, people that are uh, bound to each other, um, similar, uh, you know, they're great foils of each other, um, and then it also adds in the kind of tragic, it's not sci-fi, but the but the tragic uh, stranger than life element at the end. Um, that doesn't feel out of place it it's tremendous I saw it I, I want to say I saw it in the theater five times before it released and I've never done that with any other film and to this day I can still watch it and and be compelled from beginning to end Michael Caine's performance and his voiceover in the beginning oh so good um, so that's it new top five is Ghostbusters Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, It's a Wonderful Life, and The Prestige. Um, so that's it. That's my uh, that's my little presentation. Um, as, as always, we we really appreciate you listening. Um, I hope you get something out of it. I love talking movies. I love talking movies with you guys, and would always love to hear more. Um, uh, follow us on, on what are we on? Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, we're on uh, iTunes, uh, Libsyn, Spotify, uh, all, all of the major ones. And if we're somewhere that you, or if we're not somewhere that you'd like us to be, let us know and we'll, we'll get on that. We're covering all the ones that, that we know of and, and, um, it's been a really fun conversation that I hope continues on forever. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.